and welcome to the Mancunian Candidates, the show that brings you all the latest that's going on in the States from a Mancunian UK perspective and also explains to you Yanks out there exactly what's going on with Brexit and all the stuff over this end of the pond. And it's brought to you every week by myself, Mike Royce, and also Mr... Uh, Paul Ripley. I was sat in the... Well, we're on like... It's like a ring. It's like a boxing ring at times. The blue corner and the red corner. Indeed. Uh, and uh, we are on opposite sides. Some day at times we, we sort of like have a fallout over certain matters. Uh, but at the moment we seem to be quite close on our ideas and thoughts. I mean, one of the things happening in the UK right moment is we have our own Donald Trump emerging, uh, which we'll talk about later. But first, big news this morning. Big, big news this Joining us now is Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut. He's a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and a former prosecutor. Uh, Senator Blumenthal, your reaction to uh, Robert Mueller uh, apparently agreeing to accept service of this subpoena uh, to testify on July 17th? There's no question this step is a major historic breakthrough. And I think in answer to your last question to the congressman, July 18th is going to be the beginning of a new day for America in understanding how the president of the United States committed acts of felony obstruction of justice. I was one of those federal prosecutors who wrote that the president would be in handcuffs doing a perp walk as a criminal defendant, but for his being a sitting president. And I think that the face and voice of Robert Mueller, in effect, the movie depicting the book, which most Americans won't read, will have a gripping, powerful effect on America as a whole, as well as on Congress. Let's listen to what Robert Mueller said on that day uh, <clears throat> a month ago when he spoke. Uh, and he talked about the Constitution uh, requiring a process other than the indictment process uh, to accuse a sitting president. Let's listen to that. First, the opinion explicitly permits the investigation of a sitting president because it is important to preserve evidence while memories are fresh and documents available. Among other things, that evidence could be used if there were co-conspirators who could be charged now. And second, the opinion says that the Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. And, Senator, as we saw, uh, Robert Mueller was careful not to use the word impeachment that day, but he will be asked uh, in quoting that line, does he mean impeachment? He will no doubt be asked about whether he was alluding to impeachment, and I think that nine-minute trailer to the movie, so to speak, his nine-minute statement, which was covered wall-to-wall on the day that he did it, illustrates how powerful his answer will be to that question. But remember, he also alluded to preserving evidence while memories are fresh and the documents still exist in connection with other criminal prosecutions. There are ongoing investigations in the Southern District of New York, where the president's been named as an unindicted co-conspirator, and there's a possibility of his indictment after he finishes serving office. So the Mueller subtext here is varied and deep, and no question, he will be 
asked about it. Well, as I said to Rachel, one of the things I would want to know is uh, why didn't you uh, subpoena President Trump? That seems to me to be the kind of question uh, that lives outside of the Mueller report. It's not mentioned in the Mueller report, but can be answered by Robert Mueller. He certainly can answer it. Whether he will is another question. There are others as well. Why didn't... Can you, Senator, can I just ask you, can you, as a former prosecutor and a senator, can you think of any reason why Robert Mueller would not give a full and open answer to the question of why didn't you subpoena President Trump? Here's what he may say. Uh, He may say that his answer would prejudice another proceeding and investigation alluding to the Southern District of New York. He may say that the litigation of Donald Trump's refusal to appear would have taken too long to resolve for his investigation to be completed in a timely way. He may say that he simply will not answer the question because of other considerations and leave it vague. I've watched Robert Mueller testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's fully capable of uh, refusing to answer a question in a very polite and deferential way. And, Senator, let me just get you before you go on. uh, There's a big development today on the emoluments case uh, proceeding against the president. uh, And you've been heavily involved in in, in that as it's developed. Uh, Tell us about where that stands. The emoluments case is Blumenthal versus Trump. That's the name of the case. I have led uh, about 200 of my colleagues in suing the president of the United States because he has literally daily since his inauguration violated the preeminent anti-corruption clause of the United States Constitution, the Emoluments Clause, which forbids a president from receiving benefits or payments from a foreign power or entity. And what we won today was the right to go forward with obtaining documents relating to his financial affairs because they are relevant to determining, in fact, how he's violated the emoluments clause. We've already won motions to dismiss our case based on our supposed lack of standing, the emoluments clause itself. The courts rejected them, and today it rejected the president's effort to delay, to stonewall, to slow walk, and our hope is that the Court of Appeals will agree with the district court, which ruled today in our favor. It's a really historic ruling, and uh, I think that we need to keep the wheels of justice moving. Well, your thoughts, Mike. Is, is this a moment that we'll look back on saying, well, it was that time that oh, yeah. happened? Well, or is I've... it another another one where we think, oh, yes, this is going to happen, Trump's over, his presidency is over, mm. and nothing happens whatsoever? Well, firstly, quickly, I'm back. Hiya. And, uh, um, yeah, I've just been in the middle of all of this it's it's been like 4d for me i've lived and breathed this for three weeks now over in the states and the 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 frustration amongst democrats and some normal people who just aren't really politically minded but are not happy normal with what's mind? going on well people who what's aren't involved the, the the people in the middle who can't be bothered they they don't didn't vote for trump but they didn't vote for hillary they they don't really like just to get vote on lives, yeah. um getting on with their lives and hoping that everything will be all right um one thing i am getting is that a lot of these type of people are not going to be on the sidelines in the next election 
and they are going to do their best to vote for any any person that can remove Donald Trump. Now, the problem with what you've just been listening to is, as I've said from the beginning of this, the interesting aspect of the Donald Trump presidency is that at long last, the United States that has a very tightly knit and perfectly, not perfectly, but deliberately woven constitution, um, unlike ours, our constitution, we don't have a written constitution. We have various piecemeal acts that have evolved over the years and loads and loads of case law. Certain rights given to citizens exist in the result of court actions that are laid down. And then you've got the reform of the Parliament Act uh, in 1911 where we put the, the House of Lords under control and made a sort of constitutional framework for how the two houses work. Our, to look at our constitution is a nightmare. It's like getting a jigsaw puzzle and trying to piece it all together. The United States constitution was, because it's a new, much newer country, they got the opportunity to go, right, what do we want? Let's put it in a document. Let's try to make it future-proof and it can be interpreted in the future in ways that reflect modern life and modern emerging technologies and that is the truth that is what the founding fathers of the united states believed if you what if you don't believe me you can read lots of books where you've got andrew jackson you've got george washington and lots of other people who are saying that this this is a constitution that will grow with the with the country as it as it grows and develops and I don't for one minute believe that they thought that you would be looking at amendments drawn up hundreds of years ago about firearms uh, when we were using muskets and various other limited weaponry and applying those mm. sort of beliefs and rules and legislation to military hardware that you can get now that can wipe <coughs> out a field full of people in seconds. Yeah. And uh, that's just one example. Now, when I said that the good thing about Donald Trump is that he's taking what looks to be a robust constitution and he's giving it the what we call here in the, the UK, when you take your motor vehicle... Uh, every year you after it's three years old you have to take it to be checked out so that it's roadworthy and get a certificate and that's called the MOT and I think that he that Donald Trump is putting the United States Constitution through an MOT at the moment. I think he's testing every single aspect of it. He's seeing if the courts hold up to to an emerging dictatorship and, and curtail it. He's putting everybody through the ringer. Now, to a degree, I feel happy that the courts have muted his executive powers. They've muted his abuse of office. They, they've taken care of a lot of stuff. But when it comes to stuff like the emoluments clause and you think, well, a sitting president just wouldn't do that. It looks to me that it isn't as strong as it as you thought it was. All this anti um, enrichment that you'd prepared for in the constitution no one's really gone for it before don't get me wrong you've had people like dick cheney who's clearly had shares in halliburton that profited from a war in iraq and you've always had stuff like that but with trump it's much more direct he's literally getting heads of state to go and have a meeting with him at mar-a-lago his commercial golf club his operation he's been allowed to put his membership from a ridiculous 200,000 per year 
for all the elites and rich to a grotesque 800,000 a year, and that was in the first year. There, there, there is no question that Donald Trump has been making himself and his family and all his hangers-on and his cronies extremely wealthy. He's enriched himself and he's enriched all his cronies, that those said cronies, until they cross him, in which case he turns on them. And that has been going on from day one. Now, we are now approaching the next election, and still with these clear violations of the emoluments clause, still with clear, in-your-face, two fingers up to the establishment, um, flouting of the emoluments clause, we are still no closer, it feels. I mean, that he's made a breakthrough there. It's got to a bit higher up the court system, but you're telling me that a guy can go out of control, enriching himself left, right and centre, and it takes the entirety of his first term in office to get even close to getting to a point where you can stop him from doing that. That is insane. Uh, to me, though, straight away, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking what you what you was uh, um, saying this quite eloquently there, Mike. To be honest, you, you are in full recovery. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I'm yeah. thinking the, the, norm, the normal person, as you said, the normal person, which I don't, I'm still not too sure who that is, but I'll take your word for it. The normal person will say, well, they're all always have been at it. It goes on in this life. What's the problem? Yeah, you, you, you've got... When I say normal, I mean the person that can't relate to these lying politicians left and right. And equally, though, found something unappealing in Donald Trump. Whereas the MAGA lot hated the politicians for lying, hated the establishment, felt that they'd been ripped off for years, and this weird guy comes along who says he's going to just blow everything up and, and drain the swamp, and he said all the stuff that they wanted to hear. And then he came in and he reinstated an even deeper swamp and brought about a load of tax cuts that's given them a few thousand more dollars a year to pay in taxes while all these corporations got big tax breaks. A lot of those people are now seeing it for what it is. But you've still got some people that uh, remember the time when in the election, you must remember this one where he said, I could shoot somebody in Times Square and I'd still get elected. Yeah. yeah. And there are still people that voted for Trump that he's fucks over. Sorry, pardon my French. He's... Um, He's screwed to financially and every other way. Look at the farmers that he's damaged with all of these these sanctions, all of these tariffs that he's put in. Because the farmers he, he are screaming. Beautiful deals across the world, beautiful deals. Yeah. Uh, and okay. China are saying perhaps not. Well, you explain that this where I was watching on local news, uh, not the national, I was watching the local news channels just to get a bit of a pulse on this. And they were interviewing an awful lot of the agrarian types and, and farmers and people involved in the food production network and chain and and they were saying oh my god you know this has been so bad for us all the tariffs and all the rest of it but it's a price we're willing to pay to get our self-respect back so i thought he screwed you over he's lied to you he's been incompetent at the same time and you're still giving him a pass yeah your self-respect is worth how much? These people were talking about millions of dollars in turnover that they've lost in a year. Had to lay off staff, yeah, and they're still going to vote for him again. Okay, I've got this uh, thought. 
and I want to put running by a mic. Yeah. Back in the day here, when Margaret Thatcher was going through a, a really bad period, uh, suddenly a war occurred. Oh, yeah. And it sort of got her out of that hole. Oh, yeah. What she... I remember, I remember her sitting on a tank or sitting within the yep. tank with a... With, with with a certain gestures in her body yeah. where you thought, look at me coming back, I'm the oh, hero. Yeah. And uh, we got a landslide Conservative Party yeah. election in 1983 yeah. when uh, she was 12% behind in the polls as well when she went into that election. So I'm thinking to myself, if this is really going wrong for Donald Trump, if it is really going wrong, and they're looking at all the... Um, and people will realise that he, he, he's... Well, he's a crook. Simple as that, he's a crook. Um, and it certainly looks that way. Well, yeah. I say he is a crook. I'm trying to just be even-handed about it, but he looks that really way. Will jump into the war situation, which all these leaders tend to do, don't they? Uh, uh, and which he's really uh, quite good at, not not so much the war situation, but uh, if the problem, he'll talk about something else. His followers here, were very disappointed, Paul, with the pull-down from the action against Iran. Now, I watched this thing unfolding over three days. Yeah. Suddenly, there. suddenly, they're all over the news, and it was news flash, news flash. Um, drone shot down in, uh, in uh, international waters. Obviously, the Iranians are saying, if you look at the map, they're saying it was well within Iranian waters, they, and the United States are saying it's international waters. Yeah. Now, if I was to be honest, I think I do believe it was in international waters, but I actually feel that it was a mistake. I think it was someone overzealous because it would have been insane to do that. Now, immediately, this was newsflash, every screen in America, oh, my God, and it had that vibe. It had that, you know, when you start to have... Um, like the Suez sort of vibe, the, where you feel that it's the beginning of something that could unravel out of control very easily. Yeah. And it had that vibe to it, and it worried me a little bit. Now, the, it was on course, and everybody was thinking, well, what's he going to do? And he, he did a press conference saying, well, you'll find out, you'll find out. And then it turns out that the following day, he got the generals on board. They got the strike um, plan. Whenever something's shot out of the sky like that, there are rules of engagement. Now, the military, anybody who doesn't understand what the rules of engagement are, is this. When some, you have it hard and fast rule, generals have to, they have a list of targets for every foreign body out there. So if somebody immediately strikes a, a an American vessel or helicopter or plane or wherever, no matter what, what country it is, they've got a list of targets ready for retaliation. And the rules of engagement say it's like chess. You take the rook, I'm going to take your bishop, yeah? Yeah. And this is how it goes. Now, when you have had really hawkish generals some of them have manipulated presidents in the past and manipulated leaders in the past because every country has a different rule of engagement. Some are really, really easy to cause a war. Some are a bit tighter. The United States is quite straightforward. If uh, you, you take out an asset of, of equal equivalent value, the problem is these rules of engagement were drawn up before drones, unmanned drones, were normal. Okay. So... To take out, they don't have these unmanned drones, the Iranians, or they certainly don't have them in the proclivity that, that the United States have. So what you have is when that drone uh, was shot down, 
the rule of engagement said take out a plane take out an airfield or take out something like that right, okay. and therefore you would have loss of life yeah yeah so the rules of engagement even though that was unmanned and there was no loss of life would mean you have to strike something in iran and it would have looked like um it so wouldn't have looked proportionate now the weirdest thing in the world is the following day they had this drawn up so they just wandered in casually into the office Pompeo and you can certainly see Bolton there with a couple of generals and they went right Mr President we've got this lined up we're going to strike this target in Iran and he went right okay and apparently this is true this is what happened he Trump said will there be loss of life and they said yep about 150 to 100 people and he said, right, well, I'm calling it off because that's not proportionate because that was unmanned. And then uh, and it was called off. That has upset his base something chronic. Really? Because, yeah, really? Because, yeah, because because this is the dial. This is the problem. So the first decent movie makes. Yeah. Now, decent one. Yeah. His, his fan base are saying. Well, oh, this no. is the thing, because his base do they really listen to everything he said? They listen to him when he goes, immigrants, send them home. They listen to that. My God, do they listen to that. They certainly listen to, let's tax all these these um, these other countries, let's put tariffs on them. They're very up for that. But did they listen to him when he was? It, and this is the only good thing that he was saying, leading into the election, when he was saying... We shouldn't be involved in all these wars in the Middle East. They destabilise everywhere. They cost us a fortune. We should have never invaded Iraq. There were no weapons of mass destruction. It's a de- and you know what? Even me and you, I think we can agree with him on that, can't mm, we? And, and it's one of the, the only common ground me and you have got with Donald Trump. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet his lot, the MAGA lot, are not on board with that. They would have loved it. They would have loved a big bloody nose to Iran. Now, the weird thing is... He's... So would Tony Blair, by the way. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Well. Just sort of throw that yeah, but he was, he was, he, the, yeah, oh, wow. but he wasn't. He he was. What can I say to you? He wasn't the guy at the end of his term. He was at the beginning no, because the guy not. that we all believed in, yeah. he wouldn't have even been palling around with George Bush. No. And when I was talking to this friend of mine, Daryl, who's over there, um, he. He, he, we were having a conversation one night and it just came to this. And he went, listen, you know, you're, you're Tony Blair. And I went, yeah. And I said, I bet I know exactly what you're going to ask. And he went, yeah, he goes, I got that he was mates with Bill Clinton. That made sense to me. But he said, we, we just assumed that he'd hate George Bush. What, what happened there? And I said, I said it on the radio show. I've said it many times. I'll bore people with this. But one last time, I'll say I put it down to 9-11. When uh, the, the, we went into Afghanistan and then there was the State of the Union that year and they invited him over with Sheree Blair. They went into the, uh, the state's room the, the, and then they went into the fight, into the big chamber and the, the, he was giving the big speech, the State of the Union, and everybody was there and then he said one thing, <coughs> he just said, and, and Blair was up in the balcony. And he said, yes, we've needed help and there has been no closer ally than the United States. And here with us tonight, we have our friend Tony Blair. And I just want to, on behalf of the United States, for your support, say thank you, friend. And then everybody got up and every the whole chamber got up. Bear in mind, this is... 
20 times bigger than the parliament that we have. Yeah, yeah 20 yeah, times yeah. bigger. They were all up standing ovation for five minutes. They were all wringing the hands red raw, both sides, Democrats and Republicans. And he's there. And it closed up on his face. And you can find this. I bet you'll be able to find this piece on YouTube where you just go, Tony Blair, State of the Union. And mm. would imagine it'll come up. I haven't looked at it. But I don't need to because I'll never forget his face. And I saw his face and it just, it really affected him. I saw that moment where he got, I wouldn't call it egomania. I wouldn't even call it narcissism. It's just that one moment where he went, oh, I like this. Mm. I like this, being yeah. this big on the international stage. Really like this. He loved it. He, he was huge over in America. Yeah. Even then, when I'm talking to my friend Daryl, they, they, they think he is this Churchill and this Tony Blair. Yeah. You know, they, they, those are the two big prime ministers they all talk about. It, when any, whenever anybody picks up on my accent and I'm, and the, the, and I'm around a craps table and playing a game or I'm doing something and someone wants to just say something to me or get me a drink, they'll go, yo, Tony Blair, what are you having? That's it. That's that's what they think. They think he's great, and he was worshipped like a god over there. So when then suddenly Bush starts saying, <coughs> what about this war? I think you can help me out. I just think it got to him. I think it all got to him. Okay, let's take a short break. Uh, we're back. As you know, here at Fab Radio, um, we do recordings of bands, and this was recorded a few years back, so it's our recording of a band called Death to the Strange. We're back in three minutes. Well, three minutes fifty, actually. <laughs> As the Piccadilly streets begin to empty And the sky turns like the blackness of my case The streetlight flickers on and now it's time that I moved on So I pick up all the pennies by my feet The free house evening entertainer swiftly passes by A subtle nodding with his trail be stepped into the warm and dry Greeted with a drink, the landlord winks and takes his mark Knowing that the room will soon be packed It's the reason why they always ask him
Death to Strange, who sadly aren't around anymore, but uh, what a band they were. We Why are they dead? Um, no, it's Split Up Mike. Oh, right, it's just the n- name just, Death. You know, Death to Strange. Yeah, you know. but I mean, it sounds like they're going to split up before well, they don't they've take even it recorded. It's a musical band, you know, oh, kids, right. what do you want? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just thought they'd have a bit more commitment, you know. Well, for a long term. I could go into detail, but. Rolling Stones are still around, aren't they? they? I'm talking about so, um, a guy from Oasis. Oh, yeah. Not Liam Noel said some very good, nice things about um, Tony Blair. He said he was great. There were times that they can't be doing with this idiot in charge now, Labour Party. And I can't mm. be doing with the in charge of the, the Tory Party, whoever yep. that may be. Mm. He also uh, said about Tony Blair because it was great until nine eleven came along, then it all went turned to shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, he, if that hadn't have happened, if he hadn't have gone along with with George Bush, if he'd have kept Bush at arm's length like every Labour leader when dealing with a, well, a right wing... It? it was John Bolton. Yeah, I know. John Bolton. Yeah, and, I know. It's a to- down to John Bolton. Well, he's, he's he, back. He was there well, he's, he's telling in, Bush yeah. that there was weapons yep. of mass destruction and, there. And, and him, he's here again. him and that moustache are back in power. And, How? and, How they, and it didn't take long. It, they, because he's always on Fox News. That's why. They, uh, Donald a great, Trump. Great, great link. Because yeah. I've got a Fox News reporter who says, This is this morning, started talking. Have a listen to this, Mike. You'd be quite shocked. All right. Long and symbiotic relationship between Trump and Fox News. In fact, there are reports about Fox pushing Donald Trump's presidential ambitions way back in the day, during Obama's very first term. Trump was doing those weekly interviews on Fox and Friends, and the banners asked very blatantly, what would President Trump do? That same year, Hannity was airing graphics promoting a Trump 2012 idea and bragging about their relationship. I talked to Donald Trump at length today, and he's considering, and I, 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 by the way, I'm wearing my Donald Trump tie. Looking good there. Uh, No, he gave me a gift. Now, anyone's welcome to make jokes about their red tie, but this goes deeper now that Donald Trump is the president of the United States, because he uses Fox as something of a kitchen cabinet. And there are anchors there who say they report on him during the day and then shape policy. Consider this report out of New York Magazine that Trump and Hannity talk basically nightly. 
Washington Post says Hannity has a desk in the White House. Daily Beast reports Tucker Carlson was advising Trump on Iran, moving him to a dovish position. Many people may welcome that, but it is coming not from the Pentagon. It's coming, apparently, from Fox, while Fox and Friends hosts have been lobbying Trump on pardons. And then there's the praise of Donald Trump on air, which he then returns in his own rallies. Sean Hannity has been a terrific, terrific uh, supporter of what I do. Laura's been great. Laura Ingram. Tucker Carlson's been great. This is unusual and it's important. It's part of how Trump policy is being made these days. And we have an exclusive guest tonight with unique insights into all of this because he was there. Carl Cameron spent 22 years at Fox News helping launch the network. And of course, he's known to many people across the country as Campaign Carl. Bush wraps up his campaign day in Delaware, then flies to South Carolina. We're on the bus with Al Gore the Carl Cam. Ted Danson and Vice President Gore. Do not look for Sarah Palin to fade off into the Alaska forest. Only for Fox News can the candidates come over and talk to us this quickly. Mr. Romney, what do you expect tomorrow night real quick? Sooner or later, Trump will begin to falter. Uh, that has not happened. Carl's been out in the field, doing a lot of work, knows this world, and now he's launching a new media project. I'll let him explain. I was one of Fox's first hires. The idea of fair and balanced news appealed to me. But over the years, right-wing hosts drowned out straight journalism with partisan misinformation. I left. Trump's a con man. He did collude and coordinate with Russia to get elected. And recently, he said he'd accept their help again because he sees nothing wrong with it. And yes, he is still helping Russia by refusing to take strong actions to protect us from a future cyber attack. Carl Cameron taking his story to the beat tonight. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ari. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me. I'm happy to have you here. Now, look, I'm going to get to your project. Before we do, I'm curious about your view. Strong words for the president. When you say he's a con man, do you think that he knows what he's doing, that he's lying, and that people at Fox News are, are secretly concerned about that, or they're along for the whole ride, as you put it? Well, I, I, look, uh, as for President Trump, uh, his origin story in the 2016 campaign was that he was never a politician, he'd never run for office. That was patently false. It's frankly garbage. He ran in 1988, went up to New Hampshire, did an exploratory committee, uh, held a big event where there were hundreds of people he gave a speech to, did a news conference, and gave interviews to reporters, including me. And in 2000, Trump did an exploratory committee and ran on the Reform Party ticket, and he actually went to the California Convention and got delegates. So when he said, I've never been a politician and I've never run for office, that origin story about what made him different was a lie. And he said he was a fantastic businessman. And now we know that he wrote down billions of dollars in losses, and it puts him in a club where uh, he's not such a great businessman after all. So, yeah, there's a con there going. What does it tell you that he listens so much, as we just mentioned, to your colleagues there at Fox News? Well, there, I make a real distinction about Fox News. You have a lot of opinion hosts like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and some of the folks that you mentioned. And then you have a news division, and there's folks there like Brett Baer and Chris Wallace and Shepard Smith and Jay Wallace, the news president. Uh, they work their butts off to try to be fair, and it's no secret that there has occasionally been some disagreements between the news division and the entertainment division. I have a lot of friends who are in the news division. They work really hard to get it straight. The opinion hosts are just that, and uh, it's not fact-based. That's what Front Page Live is about. Uh, it's a progressive organization. There's an awful lot of liberal folks that we're trying to appeal to, but this is fact-based information. And if it's a uh, progressive, where, where, where if Donald it's a, Trump is concerned, let me Ari, ask you this: If it's a sure. progressive outlet and you're leading it, does that mean you were progressive that whole time, those 22 years? No. I mean, my first vote was for uh, was for uh, an independent. 
back in the 70, in, in, in 79 and 80, uh, and I voted for independent for president. I voted for Republicans and Democrats. Uh, at Fox, I shot straight. Uh, I made mistakes. Sure, everybody does. If the Washington Post has an article that we decide to focus on and they have a retraction or a correction, we'll point out that there was a retraction yeah, or correction. I'm, Journalists I'm curious, do make mistakes. Sure. I'm curious. You mentioned some of those folks, and I'm going to play some of them for you. I'm curious whether you, you felt that that worked or whether there was oh, countervailing it, pressure. Hold it, on one I, sec. I, I let me, not, show, let me sure. show it. Uh, some of the other folks now who in the Trump era also are, are pushing back, which is consistent with the point you make. Let's take a look. The president of the United States of America is prepared to commit a felony to get reelected. The president has offered no evidence to support what he has said. There's ample evidence. This, this doesn't require too much analysis uh, to indict the president. That's incorrect. He's been saying it for a while now, but it's simply not true. The behavior of the president uh, is immoral, uh, deceptive and repellent. Fox News knows of no evidence to support the president's claim. Go ahead. Access is a problem for journalists all over the place. Uh, and when any organization gets too close to the president of the United States or politicians, that's a problem. It happened with the New York Times when Judy Miller was giving, taking the word of Dick Cheney as opposed to everybody else when it came to the, the Iraqis having nuclear weapons. Uh, it happened in the Lyndon Johnson administration all the time. He used to have uh, reporters come over and he talked to them all the time. Uh, there's nothing wrong with access if it's used right. The question is whether or not you're pushing an agenda or you're informing the, the, you're, you're informing the electorate. Do you think and the Fox News evening or some of the evening, in your view, has become basically a direct alliance, a sort of a, a kitchen cabinet well, um, in providing basically I'm, I'm media services president. for <laughs> for Donald Trump? I think I think when a president or when a politician gives a smack to a reporter for getting under their skin, that's a good thing. When they're getting bad boys and pats on the back, something's wrong. Our job All is right, to let call people you on know that. what's going on. I got to call you on that since you said that. I'm going to play Donald Trump on Carl Cameron. Take a look. Carl Cameron, who's a nice guy, he said, no, they only have 1,500 people here. Start counting them up, Carl, because you got a lot of people here, Carl. Your response and whether you think he's going to continue to like you under your new project. My response is that I was right that day. He didn't have a big, huge crowd. And I'm right today. Telling the truth is more important than trying to be popular. Hmm. On that note, with wow. it's a good note to finish on as well. Telling the truth. Wow. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a skill set that he's not got. That's the problem. Um, shall we move on? Let's. Uh, let's go. Uh, well, you've been away. Uh, yes, I have. People, um, we won't go into details why, but you've been away for... Oh, I had an operation. Okay. Uh, well, I went well. Um, been putting it off for a while, and then finally I went, right, going to do this. And because it was lung-based, it was suggested because I've been out and got real health benefits and being out in the desert, the dry heat and all that. Yeah. They'll go back to um, Vegas. I've got an apartment there. But equally, this time we decided to spend some time in Utah, in, in in a very strange motel in Utah because I've always wanted to stay in one of these CSI type. You weirdo. Oh, they look great. They look great. They look like uh, someone's going to knock on your door Yeah. three in the morning. Look, I was all right. I, I moved the body chalk outline off the floor and uh, settled yeah. in for a few days, you know. It was interesting, though, because I got to hang around a lot of very everyday working people who were chatting, and I could see that, let's put it this were way. Were chatting about the politics here? 
They well, weren't. Where, I'm going to bring you, draw you back. They weren't. There, Mike. I mean, but, I'd love to hear about this. Oh no, You've no. Been, this more. Uh, I can go into that, go next, that next week. week. Okay. But but let's just say uh, it when showed me left, a complicated when life. When you left here, yep. there was twelve people trying to be the prime minister. Yep, they hadn't started when I left. No, uh, but you came back. The two people left. One's called Jeremy. Mm. Imagine if you had two Jeremy C's com- in the competition later on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, that's me first time ever, two Jeremy C's trying to well, compete against you. Well, here's the thing, though. When when I... It was wide open to me. I knew that... that, that so d- Jer- Jer- if, Jeremy if, Hunt and uh, Bryce yeah, if When I left, it was pretty much uh, the safe money was to suggest... Johnson because his time had come Gove was still in the running but no one forgave Gove for shafting him. Everybody else seemed to have uh, either inexperience or a problem Ledsom, Andrea Ledsom for example she attacked Theresa May and suggested she wasn't a complete woman because she hadn't had children that went down like a lead balloon and ruined her last time and I don't think people had forgotten that. Um, Everybody else who was uh, Javid he, he seemed to be inexperienced and he does do some ridiculous leg poses as well which uh, uh, I find quite curious there were uh, there was a problem with pretty much all of them there were there wasn't anybody that I could see that could uh, stand out so Jeremy Hunt I, he, I was surprised that he managed to at least hang on there um, who well, did not, you, I see him as a, like the modern day conservative yeah he's he a, a bill, he's a, he is a one yeah, he's a Disraeli. He's a um, he's a one nation conservative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and all, all the bits. But he is definitely pro Europe underneath. Uh, he's he's also pro selling the uh, NHS to uh, American companies. Oh, well. very much and so. He's, yeah, he's, he's in charge of the NHS for was six years or five years. Can't remember yep. now. Uh, and the, I mean, the doctors' uh, unions around certain doctors and, and the junior doctors hate him and that's not a that's a strong word to use but it's quite well i know and that that means that and, and also obviously you've got that unfortunate um play on his name yeah if that's got that's all anyway regarding boris um there's been a backlash as well regarding boris but this uh, well it's not going to be decided well i public, was i was getting ready to unpack to come back and all of a sudden uh, on the news yes. over there this uh, this incident with his girlfriend started to really get get a lot of news attention in the states yes well that's uh <laughs> and suddenly where's the photograph came and where the photograph you know, when, why did you release it? Because you're showing it all patched up over her. I uh, don't. And, I and, and don't, he sort of denied that last night. What hey, a weird photo today, that is, by the one way. One hour ago, this happened. Have a quick listen. Mr. Speaker, do or die, come what may. Those are the words of the Prime Minister's likely successor. The truth behind the Brexit chaos in the Tory party is encompassed in those words. The Tory dream is to drag us out of the European Union no matter what the cost. Prime Minister, before you exit office, will you pledge to never vote for a successor willing to impose a devastating no-deal Brexit on all of us? Well, I have to remind the Right Honourable Gentleman yet again that he is due to be asking me questions about my responsibilities as Prime Minister. And 
I would remind him yet again that as Prime Minister, I voted three times in this House to ensure that we could take the UK out of the European Union with a deal that was good for the whole of the United Kingdom, and he voted effectively for no deal. Ian Blackford! My goodness, it's no wonder she's leaving. That was no answer to her question. The Prime Minister is showing gross cowardice. On the one hand, the Tories are asking people to put their faith in the most incompetent Foreign Secretary in a century, a man who has made a career out of lying, who has spent his week avoiding the media, staging photos and playing to the extreme delusions of the Tory shires. On the other hand, we have the most incompetent Health Secretary in our history. Our NHS. Mr. Speaker, the Conservatives clearly don't like the truth. Someone so desperate for a chance at his 30 year Downing Street fantasy that he's. Uh, I think the Right Honourable Gentleman has concluded his inquiry. Well, well if he. Order! Or, order! If he hasn't, he needs to do so in a single sentence. Order! I don't... Oh, Mr Cowan, I'm sure you're a well-intentioned fellow, but I require no counsel from you. One sentence. We've got a lot of questions to get through. A sentence. Well done. Mr Blackford. Mr Speaker, in her last days in office, will she finally act in the best interest of these islands, not the Conservative Party, and admit that neither of the candidates for office should ever be elected Prime Minister? So there we have it. It's just happened now. So I can go away for a month and I come back and nothing has changed. It's got worse, and that's me. Nothing. Here. No improvement. Me and you, over the years, have oh. called Donald Trump, to say the least, an absolute idiot, a liar, a thief, yeah. a blagger, um, incapable, and many other words like yeah. that. And we've had discussions with... Uh, our friend in the States, Tom Anderson, who says the opposite. And it's been a good debate, really. However, and he's still saying the opposite. I've laughed secretly inside. I think, good God, thank God I'm not living in America uh, because we've got someone like that in charge. However, now yep. we've got someone who, who who talks to Mr. Bannon. Steve, have you seen that? Bannon? Yeah, I've said, look, look, look. Since he's been away, Bannon's saying oh, how he's helped Boris. Yeah. Um, it's in the independent run, the exclusive on it. Mm. Um, and he's likely to be in charge within so many weeks. He's likely to be, but I will say this. Hunt has got a following now, and it has got out to the... There's 150,000 Tory members, yeah, that have to vote yeah, on this. That, yeah, yeah. so, so 120,000, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong... It still means that 0.075% of the entire population of this country gets to decide who's the next prime minister without yeah, a democratic again, process. Again. Yeah, twice. You don't get that in the United States. So I think that's a real problem. I really do think that with this amount of time to go, because she's she's only this person could legitimately stay in office for three and a half years, and I think that's an awful long time with no public approval. I, I really do think that that stretches democracy to its snapping point, in my opinion. It, you, I mean, this, this, it rarely happens in America, because you did, you've only had one president that ended up 
assuming power with no mandate whatsoever. And that was the uh, the situation when um, Gerald Ford replaced um, Spyro Agnew, do you remember? He, he replaced no. the vice president who had got a tax scandal. So the vice president was removed and Gerald Ford took his place as vice president and then Nixon resigned over Watergate. So Gerald Ford ended up president okay. for about um, three, two and a half years without any public validation whatsoever. Now this, you've, we've had two of them now. We've had two of them now. People voted for David Cameron and his Conservative Party to have a majority. Then she went to the House in an act of hubris, perhaps, or or ill-informed, or maybe she wasn't completely in control of that goddamn manifesto that had the dementia tax in it. Either way, she ended up losing that majority. So she has not been elected. This current session with the Conservative Party in power, they're in power as a minority government, and people need to remember that. The last time a Conservative Prime Minister was elected with a majority was David Cameron. And since then, these two, her and Boris, if he gets in, or Jeremy Hunt, whoever it ends up, we've had two prime ministers that have not... They've just got no... They've got no mandate. No, no, no. So, you know, so I, I take it back, everything I said, really, regarding Trump, because there are people who said we were wrong. Well, people are laughing at me now. Well, he, that, at least he does do, or tries, his damnedest to do everything he promises to do. The problem is what he promises to do is reprehensible. Yeah. But at least the people that like these reprehensible things that he's promising to do, you can't help but see that they are actually getting the red meat tossed to them, you see. That's the problem. We've got literally four minutes left on the show, and I just want to run by you. Um, how do you see this going through? Do you think... I'm so glad a, you asked. A, ...a sort of uh, a, a resurgence for Hunt, or do you think Boris will get the job? Oh. Where do you see that leading to as well? Because... If they, I mean, if you get the job, what difference can they make? They can't really right, right. deal. They cannot really oh, deal. Oh, they, so, where it, do you it, it, here's, the, here's the problem. This, it doesn't matter. You've got rid of Theresa May because she can't get a deal through in Parliament. Why can't she get a deal through in Parliament? This is the thing that gets me. She's resigned now because she's literally exhausted every possible avenue, has been to three votes in front of the House. She can't put a fourth one in. She's got no authority. No one wants to believe in her. And the 1922 committee has said on your bike, there you go. So what are you left with? Either one of these two. It's going to be closer than I think people realise Maybe Jeremy Hunt will pip him to the post when the cold heart, the light of day, some people look at it and go, yes, he is a buffoon and we can't trust him. Um, Boris, he's an idiot, but he's not actually as as stupid as people think he is. Now, maybe it would be Jeremy Hunt then, but I think that if I was to put money on it, it'll probably be Boris Johnson. So he's going to take over as Prime Minister. You are still left with the same makeup in the house you will still what's going to change those people that want a second referendum are not going to change because somebody in another party has got a new leader this guy if anything he's going to entrench further 
the people that want to remain in the U- in the um, EU. He's not going to just assume power and suddenly there's going to be some nirvana where everybody starts to get on and goes, let's all crash out. Just remember this, Boris Johnson wants to leave the EU without a deal. He's hoping to get in at the last minute and now spread things out be seen to try to get a deal and then crash out. That his, that's his plan, that he's openly discussed with people. He wants to crash out in October. So how on earth do you think that this is going to change anything? How does anybody believe that this is going to change it? You're going to go for a vote. Say, say he does get a deal. You're going to have the same mathematics. So that breaks down. There'll be no confidence in the government and there'll yes. be uh, uh, an election. Yeah, they will, yeah. And then look what you're left with then. Look what the right, choice is then. So then the EU will say, we'll give you another year. Yep. Uh, after the election. We're not leaving We're in not October. Leaving. That's a fact. You can take that to the bank. I absolutely guarantee it. You will not be leaving. This country will not be leaving the EU so in October. So how will settle then businesses who are worried about our planning? I mean, when yourself, you do international... I can't make plans. You, you do international dealings. Yep. yep, and I can't make plans. I'm going to have to have a depressed pound for at least another two years, which is not helping me with paper and printing costs for the publishing arm of the company. Um, I've got lots of problems to do with this. It's very unstable. When I'm investing in the markets and investing in companies, it's difficult to invest because things are shooting up and down. Every time you get one of these votes on uh, membership of the EU and, and Brexit, the pound collapses for the day and then slowly recovers. I mean, it, it's great for currency speculators. They must be cleaning up with well, all Bitcoin's this. Bitcoin's shut up. Yeah, Bitcoin's back up again, Max, yeah, at $13,000 today, which is uh, is good. It dropped to three. Well, uh, it's a safe haven, you say, for some people. Two or three minutes on this as well. Because hmm. uh, you talked about it, so I thought I'd mention it. Google and Facebook talking about bringing in their own monetary values of some sort of exchange yeah too late bitcoin's this it's, it's everywhere everybody's got it no why people so they'll fail you're saying they fail um, i'm saying they won't uh, i think it'll huge. work but it'll operate alongside bitcoin oh, bitcoin's yeah. going yeah. nowhere bitcoin litecoin and dogecoin those three are going to remain and and i'm telling you now at some stage you'll be in it might be five years it might be 10 years but you will be going into a shop with your bitcoin card you will be paying for stuff with bitcoin on that note, we'll say goodbye. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and don't forget, don't forget, uh, tell people about us. Give some reviews as well. Apparently, I was looking at the... Uh, we're, we're doing well on Apple I, I, iTunes. iTunes podcast. Yeah, you sound like you're about 500 years old. Stop saying that, man. Yeah. I don't follow that side. I'm not a podcaster type person, am I? I'm just... I'm the, I'm the cutting edge. The cutting edge of digital podcasters used to be... It's you, it's the new new radio. No.